Denver Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents Schlereth and Evans. How was Malibu? Gorgeous. Gorgeous, huh? Yeah, it was gorgeous. Got to see uh, your son, second mm-hmm. weekend in a row. Got to go out and uh, see your boy. Yeah. Pitchy coach for Western Michigan. You sweep? Did I do I did I read this right? You guys swept the, what are they, the waves? The waves, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't even close. It was an absolute beatdown. Yesterday, 19 to 1. 19 to 1? Yeah. I think they scored, I think they scored 50 runs over the weekend in a four-game set. Nice. So that's what, back-to-back weekends getting out of, uh, where is Western Michigan located? Kalamazoo. Kalamazoo. So they got out of the winter of Kalamazoo down to the warm weather, and they're uh, kicking they're, butt. Yeah, they're dealing right now. Yeah. So they're actually pretty good. They're pretty good. They can hit, obviously. So, and uh, and they're pitching better than uh, probably anticipated. So Saw Troy Rank over the weekend, right? His son yeah. plays for Pepperdine? Yes, his son. Plays for Pepperdine, so... Excellent. Yeah. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Well, uh, we hope everybody had a great weekend. lot happening. Let's jump right into it. Uh, Is it safe to say that the Nuggets have closed both the Warriors and Lakers championship windows? Seven straight wins over the Lakers, counting the the sweep in the playoffs last year, and Mm -hmm. now seven straight wins over the Warriors after they uh, shrug off an early 15-point deficit, no problem. And go on to win convincingly one nineteen to one hundred three. Yeah, they're pretty. They're, they're pretty amazing. They really are. Like those. Uh, again, this is why you don't fear. I guess when the Nuggets, you know, go into the uh, going into the All Star break, lose three straight, coming out of the All Star break. This is why you don't fear because when they have to play somebody that's prominent, they go to the Celtics. Celtics haven't lost. They're twenty and zero at home. What do they do? They beat them down. Like you, you just know when they need to be up. And they need to to function correctly. They've got the wherewithal to get that done. Jamal Murray, a great example of that. You know, Murray. Uh, at, at times, we 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 question. You know, where is the the consistency? You know, he, he's a bit a little banged up with the tibias. Missed uh, mm-hmm. the game against Portland the other night with the tibias, and yet, big game national television at Golden State against Steph comes out has a, a tr- tremendous first half. Goes on to finish with 27. But Nikola Jokic, my God. Did he, has he clinched the MVP just this week? His performance well, I mean, coming, his absolutely performance not. coming, I, you know, he absolutely, has. Absolutely not. I know, I, mean, I know. Still, they're pushing Tatum. I, I get it. I watched some Celtics yesterday. And, yeah. uh, oh, my goodness gracious. Game against the Knicks. Oh, yeah. yeah. Game against the Knicks. We watched that for a while yesterday. And, you know, I mean... Lord have mercy, Tatum is the, uh, he's going to be the face of the NBA here shortly. <laughs> but my goodness, what Jokic has done this week is just, just nuts. So uh, in three games since the All-Star break, mm-hmm. okay, you ready for this? Yeah. Uh, three triple-doubles. Uh-huh. In these three games, he has scored 82 points, okay. 50 rebounds, and 45 assists. He becomes the first player in NBA history with 14 rebounds and 14 assists in three straight games. 
It's just insane. It's just insane. It just continues to, 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 uh, and, and it, what, what has been great to, for me is to just watch just the praise, just the bouquets come, come flying in from all around the NBA world, current players, past players, past coaches, just, just marveling at, at what this guy does and how they've never seen it before. And how effortless he makes the game, how much they love the way he plays the game. Uh, we'll hear a little bit from Steve Kerr coming up in the Brew and Four Down about uh, you know how he he made some plays in that game yesterday that uh, I, you know Kerr was left speechless. So it's it's fun times, fun times watching uh, Nikola Jokic, who is uh, he's he's going to cruise to the MVP. Cruise. Right. I know. I know. ESPN's gonna. ESPN's gonna try. But They're gonna do everything in I their know, power. I know, but to tighten up the vote. I know, but no. You're correct. Meanwhile, how deep do the Avs issues run? Apparently, really deep because they. Uh, I watched that Red Wings game the other day. Um, that overtime loss. So you get a point. So that's nice. You could kiss your sister on that one. But uh, lost to the Leafs. They, they they've got some. There's some issues going. Well, I don't know what's. I don't know what the issue is, Mike. But you know, it's got to go beyond. You know, they're just not connected, or they're not playing hard, or they're having lapses of grittiness, or you know, whatever, whatever. You know, Bednar says in the press conference is there's got to be something. It feels like there's something more there. Well, you take the the loss to Toronto the other day. You've got a game in which you know Bednar afterwards said we we played a really good game, but we make the mistake at the end. Miko Rantanen with the uh, the clear into the into the stands leads to the penalty, leads to the go ahead and eventual game winning goal, and it's as he said, it's it's what's plaguing us right now, right? We we make that that crucial mistake, but maybe the other way to look at it is. You know, why are the games coming down to that kind of a play? Why aren't you able to take what you think is a pretty good effort for most of the other 58 minutes? Why can't you open up a bigger lead? And that maybe, I think, goes back to the larger issue, and that is uh, their supporting cast. Some of their best players have been scuffling. The goaltending has been inconsistent. That's, I think, where you, you lead to the bigger picture. You're not, you're not good enough to maybe open up those bigger leads so that you're not plagued by that one mistake at the end of the game. Yeah, I always, you know, I was always taught as a team, and when you're a good team, you can never let you never let it come down to one mistake. Right, right. You can never let it come down to one bad call. You can't let it come down to one bad mistake. You've got to be able because there's always going to be a mistake or two. There's always going to be you know that that odd. Penalty. There's going to be that. That something's going to happen, and you can't be in such tight games where you will let that you let that one mistake affect you. And that's where they sit right now. Well, they've got uh, still another. What are we looking at about? Uh, just about two weeks left to go. Uh, well, about ten days left to go until the uh, trade deadline. So. They're going to have to do something, uh, although they may have some good news about Val Nachuskin that we'll get to here coming up in just a little bit. But up next, Russell Wilson talking with former Bronco receiver Brandon Marshall. Lot to, uh, lot to unpack here. We'll do that next. Ever since we got Xfinity? 
We have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my hiding spots. Ha! Found ya. How? That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity. Now through March 21st, get started with 200 megabit internet for $25 a month for two years with no annual contract and get Wi-Fi equipment included. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today. Requires paperless plan auto pay with stored bank account. Restrictions apply. Taxes and fees extra. After promo, regular rates apply to internet service and Wi-Fi equipment. Actual speeds vary. It's Schlereth and Evans on Denver Sports Station. 104.3 The Fan. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. Big week ahead of all of us. Let's go. 6 a.m. listeners, best of the bunch. Already attacking it, I know. We heard from Russell Wilson over the weekend uh, talking with Brandon Marshall, the former Bronco wide receiver, on his I Am Athlete podcast. Russ gave his full explanation of went on during that uh, whole time when the Broncos were trying to get him to push back his injury guarantee. And, well, from Russ's view i didn't want to but then then they kept saying it all the way throughout the week so then then you know major talked to the nflpa the nflpa called me to ask you know and then they they talked to the nfl nfl was like this can't you can't this is illegal you can't do this and so then you know all the way throughout saturday so i was just like sitting here i didn't know if i was going to play the following week we had monday night football I guess the Buffalo Bills the following week, so I'm like, am I gonna play? Am I not? Like, so, 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 like, so you got Russell Wilson in his camp, and then you got the Denver Broncos. Everybody looking at each other. Who gonna make the first move? You gonna sign? You gonna take it? No, I, I wasn't gonna do it. You I wasn't told gonna blink. No shot. I ain't <laughs> taking my injury guarantee. But. So now I'm sitting there, like, okay, well, we'll see what happens. So then the whole week, all the way, and I get back on Monday. I still don't know necessarily what's gonna happen. And uh, on that on that Monday, that's when I meet with Sean, and Sean's like, hey, don't forget, like nothing happened. We're just, you're going to play this week against Buffalo. We got a big game against Buffalo. You got to go win on Monday Night Football. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> Does that shed any new light on what went down for you? No. I mean, kind of what they said, right? Broncos wanted to take away their injury guarantee. They didn't want to do it. I get it. I don't blame either side. Me neither. I don't. I don't blame Russ one bit. I wouldn't do it either. No, absolutely not. Russ shouldn't do it. But I don't blame them for asking. Right. You got leverage. Yeah. Now, I mean, you know, the Rusties will be all over this, like the Broncos' shady dealings, and please, if you don't play well, you know what happens to you. You get called to the principal's office, and they want to, whatever they can do to ease their financial obligation to you, they will do it. Whether it's the Broncos or the Kansas City Chiefs or the Jets or the Green Bay Packers or any other team in the National Football League. You know what? As a player, it's not very often that you have the hammer. It's not very often that you have leverage. If you have it, Swing that damn hammer. Because the the league and the players, or excuse me, the league and the organizations are always swinging the hammer. If they've got leverage, they're going to use it. And we will see this happen throughout these next couple of weeks where guys that signed long-term deals last year are going to be released, going to be renegotiated, going to be asked to take a pay cut, whatever the case may be. So... I don't have any issue with the Broncos going, we don't think you're very good, and we want some of our guarantees back, 
and I don't have any issue with Russ going pound sand. Hey, if you need any more evidence of the business of the NFL, Dolphins release four-time Pro Bowl cornerback Xavier Howard. Mm-hmm. And, and this is somebody who has, has played at a higher level than Russ has, and yet he had three years remaining well, on his honor contract. Your contract. Honor the contract. Yeah, three years remaining. They cut him. Mm-hmm. See ya. Yeah. I, I mean, it just is the, it's the business of the National Football League. And, you know, if you sit there and say, well, this is, hey, there's certain guys, there's certain guys I believe you can't do that to that mean that much in the locker room. Now, I mean, you can do it. Legally, you can do it and all those kind of things. But the bottom line, the ramifications of that come back to haunt you. Because if that guy is that respected within the locker room, then players are going to have a big issue. I don't believe Russ is that guy. I don't believe everybody in the locker room goes, wow, this is bull. Like, this is a bunch of bull junk. Like, we ain't playing. Or we're pe- uh, we're mad at Sean. Or they're not going to get the best out of me. Or now I'm just going to be an independent contractor. I, I just don't, I don't buy that Russ has that kind of influence within that locker room. More from uh, Russ uh, talking about how he wanted to conduct himself through all of this. I got to be prepared. That's why it does matter. Because at the end of the day, you know, your kids, how you how you present yourself, how you go about the tough times, not just the good times, but the tough times too, you know? And I want to be also the father that when they see dad go through a tough moment, how does he handle it? You know, I want my teammates to see, hey, man, like, because nobody knew. Nobody knew. The only person that actually knew on the team was actually Courtney. In that moment? In the whole building. The only person that knew, player-wise, was Cortland at that time. You know, a couple weeks later, I told him, after, I think it was after the Buffalo game, I told him, I said, bro, you see why I was so passionate? He said, well, he said, what, what? He said, I said, what happened? I said, and I started telling him, he's the only one that knew. What's that look for? Uh, no, no, no. I mean, uh, <laughs> you don't, you don't think that. You don't think anybody knew? No, you don't I, think anybody else knew in the building? I buy that. How about, I, I, I thought Russ handled himself. Yeah, I did. quite well. I, you know, I this is this is not. I'm not looking to um, drive a wedge here. I know I'm a wedge driver, but I'm not. Each side. Right. Did what they had to do. And so I, I don't blame the Broncos. And, and as you have laid out throughout this entire journey, this entire situation, th- this is the business of football. This isn't being mean. Mm-hmm. This is, as you say, having the hammer, you swing it. Hey, if paid Manning can be forced to take a pay cut, <laughs> right? Then if you have that at your disposal... The Broncos can go to Russell Wilson and say, we want you to push back the injury guarantee. And if if you don't, then this is my, something we might need to do. And I'll give Russ credit. He's he and his team, they're they're they've been very good at crafting a message that has helped make him look very sympathetic in the eyes of many. Mm-hmm. Like he was being done wrong. Yeah. And, and I I thought it was interesting over the weekend, you had uh, headlines blaring out there that um, you know Russell Russell Wilson willing to play for veteran minimum in order to have a chance to start. Right. Well, yeah, we've been telling you that for for weeks, months because it's all about the offset. He's going to get his money from the Broncos, and so 
whatever he signs for comes off whatever the Broncos owe him. But that he can go to a team and that, that makes him much more attractive to a team by saying, hey, I'll sign for the veteran minimum. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll sign for a million bucks. Broncos owe me 39. Right. You pay me a million. Well, that's what that's, Broncos pick up the rest of the 38. It, it's it, this yeah. isn't this isn't him being generous and saying, oh, OK, I'll play for the veteran minimum. Well, this is why they get a chance. This is why he'll have interest. And this is why, you know, people have talked about trade. He's not getting traded. They're going to have to release him. It's just a matter if they take all the salary cap hit today or this year or they divvy it up over two years. Right. That's that's the only decision you're making. Coming up, we've got the uh, morning brew for you, and we'll hear from uh, Michael Malone on how the Nuggets were able to really so effortlessly erase an early uh, 15-point deficit. Steve Kerr, like everybody else, just marveling at Nikola Jokic, uh, and Jared Bednar on what needs to change with his hockey team. That's all coming up next. It's time for your morning brew. Grab a cup of joe and get caught up on everything you need to know. Here's Schlereth and Evans. Hard to believe if you just look at the uh, final score, you see the Nuggets beat the Warriors in San Francisco 119-103. You figure, oh, yeah, pretty easy game. Actually, at one point, the Nuggets were down 51-36 to in this game. And they roared back and never looked back. Michael Malone, proud of the comeback. When we play Golden State, we do things differently. You know, this is not our standard defense. We try to do things differently because of who they are and their personnel. And so there are going to be some breakdowns, and there were. But for us to close that second quarter 14-0, tie it up at half, and then start the third on a 14-4 run, that's a 28-4 run in their building after being down 16. That's what I'm most proud about. Seven straight wins over the Warriors, and that doesn't include a a chunk of a playoff series. Seven straight wins over the Warriors. You're seeing the Warriors' championship window, their their dynasty. Yeah. It's done. The Nuggets have ended it. And you can just tell that all it takes, the moment the Nuggets just start to, to flex their muscles, you just tell Golden State has no answer. Nothing. No, they can't play with him. And I think it's interesting that Michael Malone said how how we've changed our defense. When we play them, we change the way we play based upon their skill set and what they do. And, you know, obviously, if they knock down every shot like they did early in that game, they're they're tough to beat. But you can't rely on that. That They can't be your, your game plan is, hey, all we're going to do is knock down threes all night long. Because eventually, you know, so eventually there's going to be a lid over it, and you're not going to make it. First time in the Kerr-Curry era that uh, a team has swept them 4-0 in a series, in a season series. Uh-huh. Wow. Pay I, that man $35 million. I, I want to have Brian Windhorst comment on, on that four-game series sweep. Wow. Next on the uh, Morning Brew, yeah, it was another remarkable performance by Nikola Jokic, just Absolutely running out of words to describe what this guy is doing. Three straight triple doubles to come out of the All-Star break. Last night, 32 points, 16 rebounds, 16 assists. Just stupid. Steve Kerr, just what can you say? Obviously, Jokic was amazing. I mean, he just completely dominated that game. Um, 
and put us on our heels over and over again. And um, so, you know, again, they're the they're the champs for a reason. Um, they they took control of that game late second, and uh, it was a tough night for everybody. And we'll we'll bounce back. He didn't complain about the free throw discrepancies no. or anything like that. No, like no. No, like normally, no. You get no. no. How unfair it was. Well, he knows. He, he, yeah. You know, he learned from Phil Jackson, Greg Popovich. You, you, at some point, you got to, when you see the way the tide is turning between these two teams, you you throw everything you got. But at some point, you just run out of things to say. Right. And you just really just got to tip your cap, say the Nuggets are my daddy, and uh, move on. So while things are going great for the Nuggets, not so much for Jared Bednar's Avalanche, who played a really good game on Saturday night at home against Toronto, but a mistake at the end of the game. Miko Rantanen throwing the puck into the uh, crowd got a got a, a delay of penalty, a delay of uh, a delay penalty, uh, minor two minutes led to a power play goal and the eventual game winner for Toronto. I thought we played really well first period, get out to a good lead. Second period, same thing. Give up a couple goals late in the period. Bounce back in the third, playing hard. Guys did a lot of good things. Good, good competitive effort from our guys. And but you know, when you're not scoring easy, yeah, you can't. You just can't make a couple of those mistakes. That's all code. That's hockey code for we're just not good enough. And we'll work hard. You know, we'll bring the lunch pail to work. You know, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. But we're not good enough to blow teams out or win comfortably enough, build a comfortable enough margin. It's like the Detroit game the other night. You know, they're up one nothing. You just like get another goal, get another goal. Right. Break, you know, break their spirit, go up two. They couldn't get that second goal. They end up letting Detroit hang around. They end up losing in overtime. It's there's just too much of a thin margin for error with this team right now. Do you think part of what Bednar is saying in the postgame, competitive, this, that, and the other, like you said, essentially letting management know we're not good. Do you, do you think they hear it? Do you think they understand it? Do you think they believe? I hope so, because he's been taking a lot of thinly veiled shots. Not shots, I shouldn't say that, but but thinly veiled requests right, for some help. And it's been going on for really all season. Mm-hmm. Good chunk of the season. Yeah. Uh, next on the Morning Brew, Russell Wilson on the Brandon Marshall, the former Bronco receiver, I Am Athlete podcast, talking about what his wishes are moving forward. I got more fire than ever, honestly, especially over the past two years of what I've gone through. Whether it's in Denver or somewhere else, I, I hope it's in Denver. You know, I hope I get to finish there. I, I committed there. I wanted to be there. Says he wants to stay here. Why, then why did he put his house on the market? Downsizing? Do you really need that many bathrooms? Do you really think? It, was that genuine? I hope it's in Denver. No. No, it's it's smart. It's... Hey, I'm not looking to move. Mm-hmm. They want to cut me. That's on them. Yeah. I don't want to leave Denver. I want to be here. And I... I I genuinely think he would like to to make it work here. But it's not going to happen. What do you think his relationship is with Sean Payton? 
Ooh. Uh, I, I know that's. A, I, I, I'm gonna have to throw that back to you. You, you know more about the the dynamics and play at play here. Is there is there an understanding here, professionalism, that hey, we, we just we don't mix. We're good. Shake hands. Move on. Or is there some genuine? I know Russ will use this as as fuel as any athlete would. But do you think he understands? Oh, I think he's. I think there's enough realism in there to understand that he did not play very well, or he has not played very well here in Denver. Last year, better than the year before, obviously. But and I do believe there's some of that. I'd like to make it work here in Denver because I'd like to prove that I can. But <clears throat> I think there is a. Maybe a personality match that, or a lack of personality match between head coach and quarterback. And it's not the first time that's happened. It won't be the last time. Russ should not be. I would hope he's not too mad at at Sean Payton. Sean did a lot for Russ this year. Sean did help rescue Russ's career. Mm. The numbers that he put up, the way that he played, has given him a chance that when he does get cut, to land with somebody, perhaps even as their starter. And Russ gets the lion's share of the credit, of course, but it's very clear that that Sean tried to coach to Russ's strengths this year. Right. Now, the big debate is you'll, you'll have plenty of Rusties out there who'll say, well, why can't you continue to do that? Well, that that that's not... Sean's hump. That's mm. not what you hired Sean for. You hired Sean to do and coach the way he wants to coach with the kind of quarterback he wants to coach. That's why you gave up so much. It's why you paid him. So you got to let him do it. But, hey, he he did a lot to resuscitate Russ's career to make Russ still a pretty attractive commodity out there. So there shouldn't be too many hard feelings from from Russ towards Sean. No, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. It does not, it does not fit. The two personalities don't fit. Uh, just the fact that, like, your off-schedule play, like the amount of off-schedule plays you make. I heard, you know, I heard uh, Robert Griffin, like, supporting Russ, and oh, I watched every throw, and, and I just, no, you haven't. Stop it. Stop. That'll do it for the morning brew. Bury that to you each and every morning at uh, 6 30. A lot to react to. We'll open up the Ramoslaw.com text line to uh, you great 6 a.m. listeners. See what you're saying about uh, everything that went down this weekend. And what does the salary cap rise mean for the Broncos and the way they handle Russ moving forward? That's next. You're listening to Schlereth and Evans on Denver Sports Station, 1043 The Fan. Tough weekend for the salary cap fear mongers out there. Oh, I know it. Salary cap is going way up. Has somebody tried to tell you? I was I was telling this to you going back to last year, not you, Mark, the right. collective you out there. That any any talk about having to cut Russ and, oh, it's going to just put us in salary cap hell, and we're not going to be able to field a team next year. A, first of all, that was that was overwrought fear-mongering because 
plenty of teams have shown an ability to be well over the cap, right. carrying a lot of dead cap money and still be able to flourish. Four of the five top dead cap teams this year made the playoffs. Correct. But I've also been trying to tell everybody the cap is going up, and we've known this, if you were paying attention, for a while that the cap was going to go up significantly. And now it's gone up to the point where I, I raised the question, does it change how you view how to handle Russ now? Because the, the idea was always, okay, we're prepared to take the cap hit, but let's spread it out over two years. But with this massive jump in the cap, do you think about swallowing it all in one year? How much did it go up? Like, it went up from uh, what? It went up about thirty million dollars. Yeah, I think from like two twenty to two fifty ish. About there, yeah, something like that. Boy, I tell you what, it would be ten. What's it, what's the cap? It's like eighty five million cap hit or something, right? So you're still going to be in cap, you know, jail. Right. But then you go back to carrying the kind of dead cap number that these other teams were able to make the playoffs with this year. I tell you what, if you spread it out over two years, it can go up again next year, right? Should, theoretically. It's not going to go, it's not going to be going down. It's not going to be going down. I mean, ultimately, depending on your quarterback situation, you know, depending on, on, on what the cost is in your quarterback room, because I think the, the average cost in the quarterback room is, I forget what the percentage is of cap, 20, 30% of the cap? Oh, no, no, it's not that much. Yeah. Oh, the quarterback room. Room. You know, the room. room, yes. I, th I think the number for your starter is you don't want to be going too far over you know, 20%. Yeah, 16, 18, 18 19, 19, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but if your quarterback room is 20, 25%, and you can keep your quarterback room for the Broncos, for instance. Let's say they do it like Tampa did it. So you've got one guy at, what, $5 bucks in Stidham? If you get another guy at $5 bucks in, you know, in a Sam Darnold or whatever, and you get another dude, you know, in the draft, your quarterback room is 3% of your cap or something? Well, then you could probably eat it all in one year. It, it just depends on what you want to do in free agency, the way you want to build your football team. But uh, if you spread it out over two, you spread it out over two years. I think it's it's exceptionally manageable. Yeah. So I don't know. It seems seems fair to me. Yeah. I just wish the fear mongers had uh, had kept that all in mind. I think th I think some of them knew it, but they sat on that because it would have got in the way of their uh, agenda. But sure. We we knew this was coming. Smart people knew this was coming and that there was going to be a massive rise in the cap and that would help mitigate some of the damage that was being done by this by this contract. On the Ramoslaw.com text line here from the great 6 a.m. listeners, here you go. Sean benched Russ. I don't think Sean did a whole lot for Russ. Followed by another one. Have to question how much Sean did for Russ when I look at our run game, the players brought in and the production of it. Without that being an obvious strength, I have to question how hard he worked to make Russ successful. Oh, he he worked exceptionally hard. Did I don't know how change? much. One more. I don't know yeah. how much he did for Russ. That offense was basically Hackett again. Was it? No. 
I, you know, again, I've said this. I've talked about it. I've talked to you guys about the college game and how hard it is to evaluate quarterbacks because the two games between college and professional don't, they're not aligned. And so it's really hard to, it's really hard to, beyond arm talent and athleticism, it's hard to evaluate quarterbacks coming out of college. Just is. They don't run what you run in the NFL. That said, the changes you tried to make, the simplicity that you tried to create. Now, you didn't run the ball very well. I get that. But why? Why did you not run the ball very well? Why, why do you think they didn't run the ball as well as they would have liked to run the ball? Uh, the, falling, falling behind early sometimes. I thought they could have tried to run the ball a little bit more. I think that a lot of what you, a lot of the reason you didn't run the ball very well is because you didn't have the quarterback to take advantage of it. Meaning, meaning. Ooh, are you, are you, are you backing up my point? Did you just, did you just, did you just endorse my point about the overall importance of the run game? That in this no. league you, you pass to score, you pass to win. No. No, Wait you just said. Minute. You, Who are you. I just heard you say that. Did everybody no. just hear no. say that you, no. you, you didn't? No, you I knew didn't this, this run is the why. ball well enough because you didn't have the quarterback to take advantage of. That's that's what I just heard. No, no, mm. you did not run the ball with great efficiency because you're going to get a lot of hard looks in that case. You still have to do it, but your quarterback is not good enough when you do get those one-on-ones to create opportunity in the passing game. So there is a complementary nature, which you know, and which I've always expressed to you, the complementary nature between passing and running the ball. And let's face it, all those things are true. And, And yes, you have to be able to throw it occasionally when that's what they're asking you to do. And we could not take advantage of that. Continue to uh, text us if you'd like on the Ronaldslot.com text line 303-713-1043. Up next in four down territory, how did Michael Malone's team effortlessly wipe out an early 15-point deficit? That's next.